So, Amy, mm-hmm. what was your most played song on your Spotify wrapped this year? Ah, uh, surprisingly, I think it was Taylor Swift Love Story, even though I don't know how that happened because I don't go out of my way to listen to it. Just no. weird. I have to check. I'm having to like, I'm having to tap through mine at the moment. My top song was We Don't Talk About Bruno what? from Encanto. What? That was apparently my most played songs. <laughs> but that'll be because um, I listened to it on the uh, on the Alexa and she's linked to your account. Maybe, but also there was a point at work when it would just be like, me and John would be like, oh my God, it's Encanto Day. And I just mm. stopped playing it. It's a good song. Yeah. Got overplayed it is a, a good bit, song. it is a good song. Yeah, and I listen to it in the car a lot, I won't lie. But That's fair. the main reason I bring up Spotify wrapped is because it turns out because we host... It's getting Kerberos on Anchor. They also do uh, an Anchor wrapped. Yeah. And it tells us all the things about the podcast. And it's like, yo, here's all your statistics and stuff like that. And basically it's like the people who listen to your podcast really, really like it. And we really appreciate that. It's like, yay. I think it's like X number of percent of people. It's quite a high percentage because I think we were in like the top 10% in this particular category of like, these are the people who are following your podcast who keep listening. Like the number, the percentage of listeners on our podcast like so many of them are followers like you're in the top 10 percent of mm-hmm. how many of your followers are your viewers because if like on youtube for example if you know anything about youtube you upload a video 80 percent of your views by a on average ish are not subscribers because you've ever had it where you watch a youtube video and this guy's like he let me call you out it's like yeah. i can see you're not subscribed you should subscribe i hate that mm-hmm. i've been i've been meaning to open a twitter discourse on that already but i really hate that um but yeah, so that's a really positive thing for us. And it's like, oh, you know, you're like 57% of like your listeners, you're their top podcast and all this sort of thing. And it's, oh, that's wicked. That's really nice. And then um, right at the end, it was like, yo, here's a here's a, here's a a graphic you can share out on social media. And it's like, oh, that's wicked. I'll put that on the Castapod Twitter. That's great. And it's like, here's all your things. Like, here's all the minutes you made. Here's your viewership. You made five episodes this year. And it's like, sorry, five? Five? five oh dear no no way is it only five and i scrolled back and it was like oh my god it was only five whoops i mean i put out the twitter question for this episode back on august 27th oh dear. it is the 11th of december 2022 sorry i'll tell you what <laughs> as as we cold open the second ever episode of escaping establish we make it seven yeah sure why not Welcome to Escaping Kerberos, the podcast where we rewatch, reminisce, and review everything Doctor Who from 2005 to present. My name is Rich, and I'm joined by someone who definitely would destroy half of humanity to put David Tennant in a cage. It's Amy. I mean, exactly. We're going to kick things off straight away with "Let's Get Thirsty," shall we? Sure. Why not? We, we were literally in London yesterday. And we walked past the uh, the Harold Pinter where. David Tennant is currently doing a play and there's just his face mm. in, a, in a big frame on the side of the building and Amy's walking past it like... <laughs> I just walked I past like, him like, oh, he's so beautiful. All of us, like, he's walking in puddles. <laughs> it turns out he's Amy dribbling. I just, I can't. He's so pretty. <laughs> I know, he is. And even even now, you know, as age like a fine wine, oh, mm. pictures of him as 14, 
his first like official image and it's like oh my goodness <laughs> me somebody i appear to be melting but it's great because at the minute we're amidst series or actually we're at the end of series three of doctor who from 2007 as today finally uh, we are getting to utopia the sound of drums and the last of the time lords the first triple header in new who is it the there only are... triple header in new no who? no no there's there's more there is um uh there are two more i think one of them is i believe series 12 capaldi no series 12 no series 12 is jody oh oh yeah i'm trying to think now i'm trying to remember what how these all played out because i know that one of them is the monks in series 10 oh yeah yeah with the head in the box uh what's it called extremists uh the pyramid at the end of the world and the lie of the land proud of you and that was like i literally saw a tweet i think it was today and it was like how did you rank these and i was like extremists i thought was piss like i loads of people loved extremists and i was like there mm -hmm. pyramid at the end of the world i really liked and then lie of the land it kind of faltered a bit but we're not talking about that and there is a, apparently there's another triple and i can't think of what it is that's me being stupid. But at the moment, we're talking about series three. Uh, but let's let's do our classic uh, elephant in the room opening of Escaping Custobras because, yes, it's been a good a long while. while since our last episode. It's August. And, you know, we can only apologize as we always do. But as I always say every single time, you guys are so understanding because we don't get berated for it. I like, mean, we do this as just like a fun thing when we have time and unfortunately this year has been so full of stuff that we just yeah. have not had time i mean we went on holiday that was like a big yeah, we went to florida big thing that we were working up towards we'd been wanting to go on this holiday for like three years and we eventually got to go at the end of october until the beginning of november and that was a two-week holiday, three weeks off work kind of situation. So that was a long process and a lot of planning leading up to that. So they basically Hence why, the like entirety our weekends, of, when yeah, we would be recording. We were busy getting sorted out for this holiday. You know, I know not not so much packing, but like when you go to the states, you've got to get Esther sorted. Yeah. We had to get accommodation sorted. We had to make sure everyone had the right documents and so on and so forth. And it's like okay that's a thing so mm. we had that to do and basically so, the entirety of september was just that was just leading was up just the to the holiday up to it. so um, we it have... was a lot and then uh <laughs> it's kind of like right okay we, you can you can mark the eras in escaping Custubarus based on where i work because <laughs> for the first era of escaping Custubarus, i was at what culture yeah as a lot of you who listen to this podcast, I'm pretty certain all of you know, and probably why you will know this podcast exists in the first place. If you if you found it because you found it, then I'd thanks. really like to know. Let us know in uh, in either the comments if you're on YouTube or in the Q and A thing on Spotify or, or Twitter at Castapod. I would genuinely love to know if you found this podcast just because you found it. Like the algorithm was like, this is some good content. He'll have some content. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know that. The second era of Escape Customers, where we started with previously. Um, the first episode back we kind of ran over everything that was going on and we ran over back over all the previous episodes we'd covered because we weren't going to start again and i don't have the the permissions to upload the original run onto no. anchor so it's under the same under the same thing that's on it's, it's still on spotify under who culture um and that's when i was working at motorsport games and traction gg now it's 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 the third era of escape yeah. well, i say third era nothing's really changed on this end but for me it has because just before we went to florida 
I left my job at Motorsport Games um, and Traction GG. It was a really tough thing to do because working with those guys has been incredible. Like they were, it was nearly two years with them and it was like, it was it was what I needed. Like mm-hmm. I, it felt like the job gave me purpose again. If, you, if you're if you confused as to what I'm on about, go and listen to Previously again, the first episode on this run of Escaping Costebrus. It's literally called Previously on Escaping Costebrus where I talk about what it was like leaving what culture and getting away from that this is a whole different kettle of fish because i loved working there it gave me purpose again i felt good in what i was doing and then all of a sudden it was like you know you have a bad day and you're just like ah you know i've got i've got to see if there's something at the place i'd love to go and lo and behold there was i took the punt i spoke to amy and i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna have to do this if i don't take this potential opportunity i'm gonna kick myself and there was no way i, applied... I could stop you no and you weren't going to no. and that's something i really appreciate because amy knew how important this was to me and mm-hmm. then so i applied you've for only this been job. going on about it for years <laughs> yeah applied for this job i had my interviews they went really well and i got offered the job like two and a half weeks after i had my first interview or something mm-hmm. like that it must yeah it was literally two and a half weeks and if you know if you know of me from what culture and you know of me from the gaming side because my major- my output is games that mm-hmm. is what i do um i've always talked about how i wanted to work at frontier developments so and now i do i'm I so proud of you i literally <laughs> have my dream job at my dream company like if you've been watching what culture back in the day covering planet coaster planet zoo jurassic world evolution like they were huge games that i loved to bits because Roller frontier frontier and i go back a long way mm-hmm. i won't go into that now because it's a doctor podcast but i'm still going to get this out of the way because it's important um and i've always wanted to work with them and then when I was at Traction, we covered F1 Manager, which is also Frontier. And it's kind of like, hey, look, I'm still kind of working in Frontier stuff. And lo and behold, it was like, and now I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm actually there. It still hasn't really set in. It's it's such a change in, in pace. It's a change in what I do from my day to day. Because now, really, only this podcast and my personal YouTube is my outward facing mm-hmm. thing. Because I don't do that at my job i don't do that anymore he's behind the scenes now i am but i'm fully behind the scenes now and that's okay with me like it really is that's what i wanted to do so you're not going to see me so much on youtube anymore so that's that's the thing so yeah that's that's where i am now i have i have landed my dream job working at my dream company i've only been there for three weeks as of now no three weeks or four weeks i think it's it's four four weeks. weeks it's yeah it's four weeks now so it's only been a month um and yeah it's it's incredible like i can't even begin to to tell you how important this these last few weeks have been so that's another reason why it's another reason why uk had to take a back seat because you know as as things always do life finds a way to get in the way and Mm -hmm. it just it is a thing and at the end of the day I've got to prioritize my work and that's where things went. So uh, yeah. that's why as a contributing factor to the, as, and, we, and we're planning a wedding, which is now less than a year away. Well, that's exactly Good the God. other thing I was so going to like, say. There's so much stuff going on, which is why EK keeps getting pushed back. Mm-hmm. But we're going to get, we're going to get this done today. That's always the plan. We had, we've had this booked this weekend it's today. It just keeps getting shifted so in our calendar. Long, but we finally are here. We've just come upstairs as we always do after watching these three episodes and we're ready to get this going and then as you might have seen on twitter at castapod by the way um i've just said that you know we're doing this today and then 
next weekend this weekend coming we're recording voyage of the damned as the christmas special so then you've got an episode for christmas because this should be releasing on 16th of december so friday and then the week after the 23rd right before christmas so hopefully if you're traveling home or something i'll make sure to stick it out earlier in the day um so if people are commuting to go home for christmas eve and stuff like that and you want to listen to the podcast then you can that'd be great because i think i don't know when it was i put out an episode of the podcast i think it might have been towards christmas it might have been on christmas day or something years ago and people were like I could have done with this yesterday, Rich. Like, yeah. I was on the train or I was in the car, and it's like, okay, okay, we'll put it out on the 23rd because that's a Friday when we normally put them out. Mm-hmm. So that's going to come out as well, and we can go into 2023 and we can start fresh, but we'll talk more about that next time when we talk about Christmas stuff. Yeah. Because it'll almost be Christmas at the time. But welcome back, folks. There's a, there's our standard life update dump that we yeah. normally do after it's been a couple of months between episodes. But yeah, again, sorry about that. Folks. Really appreciate your support again i i i feel bad like i you couldn't even begin to imagine how bad i felt when i saw that mm-hmm. uh anchor wrapped i text amy like oh my god we are awful <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's terrible because it, we can't we always say we're really really thankful and we always say we're really grateful and i don't think you guys understand just quite how much we actually mean that because it, normally, anybody who starts a podcast, they'll do like two or three episodes, they won't get any listeners, and they'll kind of be like, oh, well, it was a nice thing, fine, whatever. We do this for fun. We don't do it to particularly say like, oh, we've got this many listeners or this many fans or followers. We just, we do it because we want Notice to. Notice how there are no sponsors. We do it because we enjoy like talking about Doctor Who. We're Doctor Who nerds. That's kind of who we are. Um, yeah. And it just means the world to us that you guys still listen even with our erratic nature of posting because we <laughs> do like, we do try like i know it seems like we don't like oh god they haven't uploaded an episode for four months but we we've had it in the calendar since the 27th of august and then it was like things kept happening it was my sister's birthday every time we were planning it one of us was poorly like it just keeps i got a new job we were going we were recovering from jet lag like all sorts of stuff it just becomes one of these things where we're like we need to do the podcast it's constantly in the back of our mind we never forget about it and that's why we always keep no. coming back to it because it it means a lot to us it means so much to us that we have as many listeners as we do and there's so many of you are followers and we really 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 appreciate that so if there's one thing you can take away from our only six five seven episodes however many we do this year please just let it be known that we massively appreciate you and we will continue doing this and we do want to try and make it more regular no promises but it's it <laughs> not is, when it's our wedding year but just be aware that we will continue to post even if it has been four months since we've last posted yeah. it will happen <laughs> yeah as said, we're going to talk about that more next time. Next week, I can say, because it will be next week. <gasps> like, it, as you're listening, if you're listening to this on launch day, next week you're getting another episode. Thank God for that. We'll talk more about that, but we are we are going to be better. Mm, we're we trying. You that. We're really trying. We're trying, but we're go- <laughs> we are going to be better. But like Amy mentioned about statistics and audience and stuff like that, and I know that we obviously don't flex it and things like that, but I should probably probably do this and i might make a graphic for this for twitter because i've not made a twitter graphic in ages why not great give yourself something Um, fun to do (laughs) looking at our statistics and i did spot this when i last logged on to anchor which was not that long ago um we have now surpassed for our second era of escaping costeberus twenty thousand plays wow across all of the episodes we've done and bear in mind as of this that's only 16 so out of 15 episodes we have made since coming back we had twenty thousand plays what does that average out at 
Wait, let me see. Uh, 407, it's 478 on average, according oh. to Anchor. Okay, I didn't have to so, do maths on that one. That's pretty good. No, it's right here on my screen. So That's thank it. you all so much for that. We really appreciate it. But now let's actually talk about Doctor Who, shall we? You've had the life update. You've had our pleading and our apologies and our thanks. And we've <laughs> flexed, on our, flexed on our viewership or listenership or whatever. Uh, let's talk about Doctor Who. So let's go back in time, how apt, to the 16th of June 2007 and then two weeks following that as well because this is the end of Series 3 as the Doctor and Martha find themselves pulling up in Cardiff to refuel, which takes 20 seconds, not 24 hours like it did before, so the Doctor souped up the TARDIS Yeah, somehow. I was going to say that's a bit... He's made the TARDIS's hole bigger. Genius. Read into that as you will. And I then, don't want lo to. Lo and behold, straight away, let's, you know what? Let's get ele- elephant number two out of the room. Captain Jack is back. Yeah. I think we've and did, obviously. I think we talked about this last time he was in the. I think series. we did mention this briefly. And, and I think when we were doing EK, because I think this, this is the first time you kind of forget, this is the first time Jack's come back to Doctor Who since Passing of the Ways at the end of series <laughs> one. Like, he hasn't seen Tennant yet. He just knows. He understands yeah. that, okay, there's a dude dressed a bit weird. That's, That's the Doctor. That's the Doctor. Um, and here he is. He's back. And I want to get this in and done and out of the way. And I think after looking through the questions, no one seemed to have brought this up, which I think is fair enough. But I feel like it's kind of ignoring something important if we don't talk about it. Because obviously in the time it's been since we last saw um, John Barrowman in Doctor Who, which was in... Um, Oh God! It's let, what the was name's the episode Revolution, called? Revolution of the Daleks. It always, it always leaves Made me that, that one. Made that much of an impact. Which R? <laughs> which R word have they used? Revolution, revelation, resurrection, Re- remembrance. <laughs> exactly. I'm. Pro- oh my God! I've never been so attracted to you. <laughs> I know. I forgot one, but I am. No, no, no. You're right. Was that all four? Resol- resolution, technically. Ah. Resolution of the Daleks, you could call it, but it's just called Resolution. Yeah. Or Resolution of the Dalek, because there's only one. Mm. Um, but yeah, so since John Barrowman was last seen in Who, obviously there's all the other baggage around about what he was like on set back in the day. And he's he's literally, I think it was only the other week he piped up and it's like, I have receipts. And it's like, yeah, who, who cares, receipts? John? Receipts? Uh, just you know oh i've got i've got proof etc etc it's just like right okay so okay if you if you are out of the if you're out of the loop on what this is very very briefly it's basically he was accused of basically whipping his little mate out on set basically being a bit of a a perv a bit a bit pervy bit harassy bit hey look here's my doodle kind of thing apparently on set and apparently a lot of people have been very like yeah, that that was a thing. And I think somebody had to like, you know, pull the trigger, the mm-hmm. whistleblower, and, and all that came out. And he has been, for lack of a better word, cancelled for it. Ostracised. Um yeah. And it's like, right, okay, whatever. Not in, you know, don't I'm not interested anymore. Like, if this is how you were on set, then I we don't have time for you. And that's going back and watching this three-parter with Captain Jack back in the mix. The wor- like it's it's the worst thing is is the fact that as a character, I love Jack. Mm -hmm. He is so good. He's so fun. He's so energetic. And now he's back. He's post-Parting of the Ways. He's immortal. He's done his... I think it's his first series of Torchwood at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it will be, because Martha's in the second Mm -hmm. series, isn't she? Um, He's done his first series of Torchwood. And he is a so he's he's an even more interesting character and having him on board with all this extra baggage it's a bit it's bad if you haven't seen torchwood because it kind of leaves you out a bit yeah um not massively but or if you've tuned in because you skipped nine which you shouldn't do 
don't skip because nine. it's wrong never skip um nine. and you don't know what happened to him and now he's immortal surprise it's like yeah you got a lot to pick up on but there's so much more going on with his character mm-hmm. and just having him back in the mix with the doctor and with martha and just getting into scrapes and stuff it's so it's it's so cool to see the torchwood side of jack come crashing into who yeah and it's great having him around but then it's also like like when he says goodbye at the end of the episode at the end of the trilogy and it's like <sighs> i am sad mm. that i can't like it's like I, it's sad that i can't have the character back but i don't want john barrowman back and yeah i don't think that's going to be the case going forward into into rtd2 no there's no I've way heard. he's ever going to bring him back which i think is rightly so i mean it's it's one of those things where whenever we talk about jack we're always talking about the character no matter like yeah. we're not going to if we say we like him we mean the character not john barrowman because yeah once upon a time i did like john barrowman and then he turned Absolutely. out to be a wrong one and now like morally i can't like him and that's fine so i think it's i'm a i feel like you're allowed to like a character you are allowed to like something as long as you are able to morally separate the fact that you are enjoying a product and not a moral standpoint and I know like, that a lot of people will debate that topic. We're not here to debate it. We're just saying that whenever we talk about Jack, we're talking about Jack, not John. It's kind of like, you know, when you see like uh, as a really sort of strange visual metaphor to use. I don't know why this is the first thing that popped into my head. Imagine that you see like, <laughs> I made this joke earlier after wrapping presents and one of them being a certain size or a certain shape. Mm-hmm. Imagine that you've got like the Millennium Falcon you can buy from Lego. That's like 500 quid. It's massive. And it's like the holy grail of Lego sets to have and to have built. And then you can also buy like a teeny tiny one that's like six bricks deep. And it's like a little, it's a little tiny one. It's like that, the tiny one, is what this John Barrowman versus Jack Harkness situation is. And the big one is J.K. Rowling and Harry Potter. It's the same, it's the, it's the same aura of conversation just on a much much smaller scale like it's it almost feels like just saying i really enjoy captain jack as a character because admittedly in terms of the public consciousness this was all before then yeah it wasn't because it was at literally that time that this stuff was going on but we can still enjoy that character Mm -hmm. and yeah we can say yeah separate john barron away from it because to be honest after after the events of season four he's not really in it he isn't, and when he is back in the in the Chibnall era, he's he's about as useful as a chocolate. Teapot. I mean, he literally so kind of, stands there for collectively probably not even sixty seconds in the I Chibnall mean, era. I mean, it was like he's he's there very briefly in Fugitive of the Jadoon, which was like oh my, like it was exciting to see him because again at the time yeah. we didn't know. Um, and then he came back for Revolution of the Daleks, and he was just completely irrelevant. Useless. It's like, okay, well, typical Chibnall drivel, basically. So, yeah, it's like. It's a tough one seeing Jack and being like, God, like it would be so cool to have you back again, especially with Russell back at the helm. But it's not going to happen. Well, I'd be very, very disappointed if it does, but I can't imagine it. I doubt it it would happen. I don't think the BBC would want anything to do with them at this point. Because they've had had enough of their, they've they've had enough of their own things to have to deal with, like you know, sexual assault scandals Mm -hmm. and bits and pieces over the over the years. Like if they were willing to throw back to when Tony Blackburn got accused of something and they just sacked him outright, 
and then it all transpired that nothing happened mm-hmm. and it's like and not to not to defend if so like because you know it's, as someone who loved radio a lot and worked in radio for a bit as well it's like tony blackburn's a legend in that right mm-hmm. and it's just like nah just sack him on the spot and then it's like okay and you kind of screwed yourself over there because you've i know that he still works at radio too yes there is also that aura of okay you kind of screwed him over here without actually thinking about it but i know that bbc have had their own their own dealios with that in the past so i doubt john barrowman would come back but you would hope yeah. not seeing there's the long and short of it is seeing jack back is awesome it's it's so cool to have him back in especially like i said with all this extra baggage of what's been going on behind the scenes but it's sad to know that we've only really got what two more stories with him Mm -hmm. which is stolen earth and journey's end in the next season and then that's really for jack as as a as a character that's kind of it apart from torchwood however which if you've not seen you should go watch it however I do feel like one of the reasons Jack is so loved as a character is because they didn't overuse him, unlike characters no. like River Song, who obviously just kept coming back time and time again. Um, it was kind of one of those, like, really, when you look back at the series, and we keep saying this, anytime we watch new, an episode again, we're always saying, like, oh, when you look back at it, you notice this, but Jack's not actually in it all that much. And no, he's not. I he's think really that's not. a really beneficial thing because he makes such an impact that everybody remembers the character and loves the character so much that it's not overdone. And I think that's a really good way of doing it because it's like, oh, okay, you know, he's he, he's just such a good presence in the episodes that he's in. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like the fact that we don't see him that much. I think the fact that... He doesn't come back again until the end of series four and then he's done is he's good. I like that. But at the end of the day, you also get the fact that you're you're paced in Doctor Who, but then you've got all this extra extracurricular stuff in Torchwood. He did four series of Torchwood. Mm-hmm. So you've got that to chew on as well. I think it's probably why after Russell was like, there might be more spin-offs in the works. And everyone's just like, River Song, River Song, River Song. It's like, I know people want to see more of River Song. And honestly, a spin-off, I'd be all for it because it takes a route of Doctor Who canon. Because I think in the same way that Amy and I, as Amy said, agree on the fact that we felt the River Song was way too overused in the mm-hmm. Moffat era. Like, we would feel the same way about Captain Jack if he appeared every, you know, twice a season. Yeah. It's just like, oh, dude, go away. Like, they're allowed to have adventures without you, mate. Come on, mm-hmm. please. Ah, uh, honestly. But anyway, enough about that. So that's that's kind of, that's the elephant in the room, I feel, because now this is the first time we've talked about Jack after this whole debacle, let's say. Let's talk more about what's going on. So, end of the world, end of the universe, actually. Get Wait, to... hang on. I'm really sorry to interject again, but... what? before we've already talked for nearly half an hour however do we need to touch upon the fact that since we last recorded uh the companion new companion has been revealed and we've seen shooty's first images and stuff like that or are we not going to really touch upon that i I don't think it's all that important at the moment we'll get to that i think okay but just know that we're aware it's going on yeah that's i was gonna usually i usually open this with like right okay where are we in the in the doctor who lexicon oh yeah okay we know that um Oh, God, I've forgotten her name already. Oh, dear, so have I. What's her name, who's now the new character? Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> I'm bad at this. It's because we don't watch soaps, so we literally don't know That's who the she thing, because we, we watch Children in Need, so we could actually, like, see who it was that got introduced. But, yeah, I don't... 
I like she came out of the TARDIS and I'm like, oh, sure. Like, I, I don't know who that is. It's the same way when Shooty got announced. I'm like, I don't know who this is. You did. But I don't. Oh, I'm Shooty like, okay, cool. mm. I don't, I don't watch enough. Millie Gibson. I think it was Millie something. Yeah. So she's been revealed and people are like, yep, yeah, she's really good. Like, you look at her, her, her previous work and where she came from. It's like, okay, she is like properly, properly trained because mm-hmm. you get actors who are like, I don't want to say actors, but they are like actor actors. And then you get soap actors who do soaps because they're soaps they're all a bit hammy yeah etc i mean a lot most of the like companion cast for doctor who have come from soap soap operas so fair enough anyway um so yeah we're at the end of the universe yeah that lovely shot of jack hanging off the top the back of the tardis like you don't see anything like that anymore that's awesome i love that shot so much and lo and behold we're at the end of the universe humans are trying to find a way to escape and we meet professor yana played by derek jacoby that i stupidly made the mistake of saying jacoby in a video once and i got the comments chewed me to bits (laughs) yeah but to be fair if you've only ever read a name exactly i've only ever read his name and everyone's like no it's jacoby it's like all right all right sorry god jesus christ i'd have pronounced anyway here he is yeah, Professor Yana. I'm thinking of Jonathan Jacobo from Scooby-Doo 2. <laughs> Bruh, Excellent that's our Boxing Day film, film this year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Derek Jacobi, Derek Jack- Jack- I was going to say Jacobi. Derek Jacobi, obviously huge, huge talent. One of those people that like, you get, like Richard Constantine. Not Richard Constantine. He I plays Dr. Constantine in Empty Child Dr. Dances. Uh... I know it's who Richard you mean. So- oh my god, we're doing bad with names today. <laughs> I'm not good What's with names anyway, you know that. Well, I don't know. I know it's who Richard you're on about. something. The guy who transforms. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Richard Wilson. Wilson. That's his name. Richard Wilson. Again, like a- an incredible actor. Mm-hmm. And you've now got, you've got Derek Jacobi bringing back this character. And the beauty of this era, the beauty of this time is the fact that, you know, 2007, people are still using flip phones and slide phones and all this sort of oh, thing. And it's like social media phone. is in its in its infancy. YouTube is like a year old at this point. Jesus. It's still a wee, wee ban, as, as people say. A wee babby. Um, a wee babby. And uh, nobody knew this was coming. And yet here you go, you've got this bloke and you can hear drumming sometimes and it's like, cool, sure, whatever. Um and you know there's something going on and the way that they they build up to this um this reveal with the fob watch i think is really good like so clever. again looking back at it with with um not nostalgia tinted glasses i guess knowledge tinted glasses mm-hmm. like we know what's coming and while the, the sort of the whispers and the reminders of regeneration tardis doctor blah, blah 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 time lord like it makes it all feel so obvious but back then especially when we were kids again we always point this out we would have been what 12 yeah when this was aired we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have known who the master was. No, we, we didn't. didn't know. So that that idea of there being another time lord was just completely not there. For the Doctor Who fans, they probably clicked immediately. Mm-hmm. You've got somebody like Derek Jacobi in. He's not going to be playing a random character. No one. Yeah, he's it's going to be important. And lo and behold, he's the master. And I think for us went at, into hiding at the end of the time war. Yeah, I think for us at age 12, obviously we didn't have a clue who the master was. We didn't know because re- neither of us were classic who. Like we didn't no. we never watched any classic who. Like my dad sort of liked Doctor Who back in the day, but he was never a big sort of Doctor Who fan. He never had like DVD DVDs. Ha, huh, listen to me. He never VHSs. had VHS tapes. 
Um, he never kind of like made a point to say, oh yeah, I watched this show back in the day. It was really cool. Um, he was just like, a, yeah, I'll watch it. Um, so we didn't know who the master was. It wasn't the big reveal that we... It wasn't a big reveal because we knew who they were. It was a big reveal I say because... The reaction, the reaction wasn't for us. No, no, no. It was for those like classic Who fans who were watching with their kids or had maybe seen some classic Who or whatever. But it was mainly... The reason why it was such a big deal for us at 12 is because it was a second Time Lord. Because we... The only Doctor Who we'd ever watched was post-Time War Doctor Who. And so, yeah. for us, it was the whole, oh, there's another Time Lord. Oh, my God. It's not just the Doctor. We've spent this whole time thinking it's just the Doctor. And now... So, I feel like they kind of did it with a two-pronged attack because they revealed the Master for the slightly older generation who may have watched Classic Who, but they also revealed another Time Lord for the younger generation who didn't know what that meant. And... In the same way that Russell normally does when he reintroduces uh, themes or characters from Classic Who, he explains it in a way that refreshes the memory for Classic Who fans, but also brings in a whole new audience. And he does it so well, it's not just like a very, very in-your-face exposition, which, off <laughs> Chibnall, um, <laughs> as I always say, Um he does it in a way that is so subtle that is it's woven into the story, but it also makes you realise that you're learning as you're going along without actually knowing. And I think that's yeah. the beauty of Martha's character having only been in it for a series is that with Rose, you never got... You got towards the end of Rose's era and it was just assumed that you and Rose have learnt all there is to know about that series. There was nothing new going to be introduced because Rose was developed so far as a character she developed off screen. Whereas Martha, I feel like, although she obviously does develop off screen because she's only been in it for a series, we develop with her a lot more than we did with Rose. And so we're learning as we go along just as she is. And so when she says, who is the master of what the hell does that mean? it's a way for us to also be brought into that narrative of, oh, okay, this goes get, way back. We get brought back on the same yeah. level as Martha. And basically. so it contextualises for us how important he is. It contextualises the danger that he poses because really he's the only one that could ever actually match the Doctor in sort of cleverness and wits and yeah. ability. So it does. it always does that very, very cleverly and I really appreciate that. Absolutely. So we've actually had a, a couple of questions regarding this particular Derek Jacobi master mm-hmm. because so one of them uh, let me just scroll back up quickly is which one is it where are you so Atticus Burroughs uh, is this two Great months ago on the question oh, oh my dear. god two months ago so they ask do you think this is the right way to reintroduce the master if not why I feel like we've literally just covered that. I think it was done immensely. Like I will always cite, and this has been brought up in questions and we will talk about this a bit later in the episode about uh, the fact that when John Sim returned, it was like, surprise, John Sim's back in a big social media post. It's like, oh, thanks. Thanks Thanks for the spoiler. spoiler. I mean, admittedly, like it was so blatantly obviously him in that episode. So obvious, but still, uh, this is why I mentioned about the fact that we, you know, social media was at its infancy and stuff. We didn't know this was coming. There mm-hmm. might have been a few people on, you know, forums back in the day saying, I know I've heard this or blah, 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 blah. But like, it was never got to that sort of mainstream, like Twitter trending, because I don't think Twitter existed at this point. 
I think Twitter was 2008. I can't remember, but like, yeah, yeah like I think that. it was absolutely the right way to reintroduce the master, especially since that that seed with, you know, family of blood, human nature has been planted with the fob watch, the chameleon arch, all that sort of stuff. It's all there. Yeah, I mean, it's a really so clever makes, way to bring that back in as well. It makes swallowing that pill of oh, by the way, there's another time lord, and it's this particular one, and there you go. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's fantastic. And another question that we did get which again i need to scroll and find because there's 30 there's 30 questions on this uh, hey that's good um deming tilton or deeming tilton i got no idea how to pronounce that first name anyway they asked uh, do you wish we got more time with the yano master at least like a full episode with his version of the master because in reality that master gets about five minutes mm-hmm. of screen time um, because obviously before that he's professor yana and he's not the master yeah so you know they're asking do you know do we did we wish we got more time with him um i don't know it's a bit of a tricky one because his job was inevitably to die basically to make way for the john sim master that we know and love in new who uh well this era of new who anyway um i don't know whether we needed more screen time with him, whether I wish we did or not. I don't I don't feel like I mind the fact that he only got a few minutes of screen time as the master because he does such a fantastic job as Professor Yana that we we can just we can see how much of an established character he is and how much of an established actor he is. He does such a good job mm-hmm. in flipping that switch from going to being this nice old man to being this evil bastard yeah and he does such such an incredible job that it's so believable and I think that's just a credit to how good of an actor Derek Jacobi is but I don't think it was necessary to have more time with that version of the master because it closed the arc of Chantho it closed the arc of him like sort of being that professor character but also it just it gave him the chance to regenerate and do a a proper time lord thing uh but i don't think Derek jacoby would have had any reason to have continued past that uh end of the universe subplot really i, yeah, I don't absolutely. think it's necessary i agree i think as amy said just perfectly brings it he's there to introduce john sim but, but then again Derek jacoby has that credit of being the, the first new who master and the one to bring the character back after the uh, the movie mm-hmm. which would have been what i'm trying to think how many years it been 11 years since the master was seen because it was the master was in the uh, the main antagonist of the doctor who movie in 1996 right so yeah 11 years since the uh the master came back so he he has that credit to his name but if it's like one of those things where if you do want more of that typically big finish to the rescue because mm-hmm. Derek Jacoby has done because he is technically the war master yeah in the same way he's known as like the fifth master but yeah the war master that is Derek Jacoby because one of the things that I so there's as we as we get further through this episode there's actually going back to this because you know you you rewatch a tv show you don't look for the nuances you don't look for x y and z whereas obviously when we're rewatching it and i'm we hoping as you're rewatching it as well we are analyzing it and looking at it in a different light and trying to pick things apart of the things we can talk about and one of the things uh, of the plethora of things that i've missed a really big point that i'd literally never seen in this episode which we'll get to um 
was the fact that I'd forgotten that the master, the John Sim master, does actually explain how he's back, mm-hmm. which I'd forgotten was the case. I would have just assumed that it would have been that he would have like it's like okay you've got to go listen to the big finish if you want to know how the master came back i mean there'll be more details on that i would assume go listen to the big finish stuff and i am notoriously bad at listening to big finish stuff there's so much more equiston content that i haven't listened to because i'm just bad at it Mm -hmm. i really should so yeah like there is more war master more Derek jacoby master if you want it and it's on big finish as for whether he come back to doctor who at all as the war master maybe Probably not going to happen, but I probably wouldn't be against it. So the master comes back, zappy zap chantho, chantho zappy zap back. He he regenerates into John Sim, who at the time I'm pretty certain was in the British consciousness because of life on Mars. Mm -hmm. So there he is. Surprise here here is like the quote, for lack of a better phrase, the main master of the Russell T. Davies era. So here he is, yeah. he's back. I mean, the good thing um, was, though, at our age, we had no idea who he was. So... I mean, we, we knew, like I said, because of Life on Mars, like, I didn't... Well, I've not seen Life on Mars, but I knew John Sim I as an actor not. because I'd seen adverts for Life on Mars. I was like, oh, it's that guy. I Surprise, didn't. he's the master now. I That's literally cool. had no idea. So for me, it was a very fresh face, a very, mm, I wonder what he's going to bring to the role kind of situation. Yeah. I love I love the line of you know if the doctor can be young and strong mm-hmm. and so can I and then surprises John Sim and the fact that he screams down the eye of the camera when he regenerates like, I love that it's like is it a scream of pain is it a, is it a scream of of triumph mm. is it a scream of being like released from his cage like ah there's so I mean, many things it could have been I think the other thing that Jerry Jacoby does so well is in the literal sort of five minutes of screen time that he has as the master. He does such an incredible job at showing how terrifying the master can be. And that mm-hmm. is such so hard to pack into so few lines of dialogue. And yet literally just in the kind of tiny exchange he has with Chantho, he basically shows how much of a merciless killer he is. And I think yeah. that's such an incredible thing to do in such a short space of time. And again, when you're young, like you don't necessarily read into the nuances of of what's going on i say nuances they're not really nuances it's like everyone fades out the drums come in it's like something's going mm-hmm. on but like that that juxtaposition could scare a kid to death just that sudden change in heart and lo and behold here he is he's, a, he's an evil bastard and he hates weird blue women so uh, i think he just hates uh, women in general actually it's a bit of yeah a, uh... so so <laughs> we've got john sims master and there's a lot of like the master is an interesting character to write because in in some respects the master could hypothetically be quite easy to write mm-hmm. because the master is as the old uh, the old meme template goes he's chaotic evil yeah he's just out to just wreck Cause stuff havoc. because he can exactly so there is an extent of you know you could easily just say okay he's going to do loads of random stuff because he's ju- that's just his mo- his motivation is he's nuts mm-hmm. and it's not always the most interesting angle to take and to be honest for what the master has planned is really devious and it's been very well thought out by him but it's just kind of it's just for chaos purposes because, really because he didn't have the context of um being the last well, actually no sorry he did have the context of being last of the time Lords. i'll shut up um but like yeah like the bringing back gallifrey and stuff like that it's kind of a weird thing and that does stick with john sims master as we see him mm-hmm. later um so you know he's he's just this character that's like yeah let's just do some chaotic stuff but the beauty is 
John Sim in a similar vein to, I'd say, Sasha Dwan. I think Sasha Dwan's master's motivations were grounded to some extent, but it's also like the way he's portrayed is he's just a bit crazy. Mm-hmm. He's a bit nuts. That's the point. Yeah. And it's the same with the same with Missy, but Missy went a very different direction, which mm. we'll talk about once we get to the Capaldi era. Um, but, you know, they're kind of on the same wavelength of just, yeah, just make him a bit mad. But the way that John Sim did things, there was this comedic element to his master and that's one of the things that we always cite when talking about the russell era that i love about it is the fact that it is funny Mm -hmm. there are points when it's almost like if there's something more recent to compare it to it's like when the mcu drops a really cracking joke in somewhere that you wouldn't expect it to be and it doesn't always feel forced yeah like they actually make some of these jokes land within a potentially quite a dark narrative. That's the same as what Doctor Who was back in this time. And the master, the John Sim master does that so well, especially like the the scene in the cabinet office. Yeah. When when he, he does everyone. the faces. The faces that he pulls are they're like Jim Carrey level of facial muscular yeah. manipulation. Rubber face. Um and I think it's just a testament to his portrayal of the master because each master is so different as we've obviously seen throughout new who i mean there's what are we on the third master now with sasha duan um, uh yes so well technically the fourth if you include Derek jacoby sorry yeah fourth. um so it's it each one is obviously portrayed very differently like sasha duan i feel like kind of comes across as basically just crazy for crazy's sake whereas John, and maybe he's a bit more than that. Obviously, we'll dive into that when we eventually get to recording Jodie's era. But I feel like with John Sims Master, there is that underlying, like like you say, nuance of knowing that there is some kind of reasoning behind the crazy. He's not just crazy for the sake of crazy. He is crazy because of X, Y, Z, of looking into the untempered schism, of being forced to, like view the entirety of time in one go and get brought back for a war yeah and it kind of gives weight to his character that it doesn't justify why he's the way he is but it explains why he's the way he is and he plays that so subtly throughout his character with all his little kind of like tropes and reasonings to why he does stuff and torturing the doctor during showing him like the earth being destroyed by um the toclophane and all that kind of stuff he does it because he's been driven too crazy and so it it definitely adds a level to his character that if that hadn't been explained you would just think oh he's just a bit evil and a bit of a knobhead but in this instance it's like I said, it doesn't justify it, but it certainly makes you kind of look at it and be like, okay, so that's why the Doctor takes pity on him and that's why he essentially wants to bring him around with him to essentially try and apologise and cure him, I guess, even though there wouldn't ever be a cure for it or there wouldn't ever be, like, maybe he could recondition him to realise that he doesn't always have to be evil. That's why throughout the entire episode you basically just see him pleading with him to stop and to sort of realise what he's doing. And I think it's a very, very well-written undertone to the entire episode, and that's why I think John Sim does such a fantastic job of playing this master. Absolutely. I mean, there's a couple, there's a, most of the questions that have been submitted for this episode are about the master. I mean, mm. obviously he's the, he's the central, he's the, he's the, pi- he's the pillar, he's the column yeah. of this episode. Like he, the, the, everything revolves around him for this. 
And obviously, you know, spoilers if you've not seen all of Doctor Who, and I'm pretty certain with how slow we've been with releasing episodes, Most you've just given up and continued watching. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, the ma- obviously John Sims Master comes back twice. Once again in the end of Time Part One and Two, which is at the end of the David Tennant era, and then again in Series Ten, which is a Moffat era uh-huh. episode, uh, World Enough and Time, and. So I'm tr- I've literally scrolled past it because, like I said, there's so many questions I'm having to scroll through. Uh, and I've seen somebody... Kia. Hello, Kia. So Kia asked, which rendition of John Sims Master do you enjoy the most? Because let's face it, he plays three entirely different versions across his six episodes, mm-hmm. which, to be honest, Kia, you're bang on yeah. there, I think. But I, I think for that, I think it would always have to be this this one because it is the most... It's not the most gra- grounded is the wrong word because it's the master. The master isn't grounded at all, really. Mm. But I think in terms of the way that the character was portrayed, the arc he goes through in three episodes, I would probably say this is John Sims' best. And then end of time part one and two, it's a whole different kettle of fish, as as Keir said, because it's almost a separate character, almost an entirely different character, mm-hmm. way more insane than before. And then. World Enough and Time. Uh, I, I gotta be honest, I don't yeah. even really remember World Enough and Time. It seems so like that master seems so irrelevant. What in that is story. the plot? I've forgotten all about like, it. The only thing is, um, it's when Bill has been shot and she's recovering, slash being converted in that hospital at the other end of the ship, the oh. big ship. And he's like hiding as this guy that's so obviously him. Uh, and he reveals himself as the master uh, alongside Missy. And yeah. then he shoots or lasers Missy and Lomba and so on and so forth. So it's like Oh uh, yeah, I remember yeah. now. It's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, sure, mm. fine, whatever. It wasn't the best ending for Missy. I think that was a bit annoying. Mm-hmm. I think it was going for that fan that that um uh fan service to some extent yeah so i almost i don't really consider that appearance to be part of his sort of overarching era because yeah. it's so because i mean the master's always been a bit of a surprise he's here and then he's gone again like somebody asked in the in the questions i say somebody i i will name you because you know it's interesting megan asher said about uh my initial reaction to the master finally returning as somehow escaping the eye of harmony well i hadn't seen the doctor movie at this point in time so i mm-hmm. had no idea what happened this was my first introduction to the master as, as it was for Amy as well. So wouldn't really know how to answer that. But yeah, I, I the master just comes and comes and goes. And that the, his appearance in series 10 does add more to both masters. Like, but it didn't add, I feel enough. It still kept things kind of great, which I get is important for the character. But when you think about the context of Missy, which we'll get to, it was annoying that it was left so vague. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and I, I still I would say that his first portrayal, these three episodes, is probably his strongest. Amy, what about you? Oh, uh, I, I gotta be honest. I feel like you would you'd agree because you don't know. I, yeah, well that's the thing. I, I'm my brain is so full of random crap. Let me tell you that <laughs> I don't really retain Doctor Who knowledge. I feel like the way At I should. At least not like not like I do. No, I'm just my, differences in us. My level of knowledge on your scale is for Harry Potter, not for Doctor Who. Yeah. So I don't really have a lot of room in my brain to remember a lot of Doctor Who. I love it and I love watching it. But out of the two of us, 
Rich is the Doctor Who nerd, I'm the Harry Potter nerd. So I'm not going to answer this because I do not remember his other appearances very well at all. So for me, I'm just going to go, yeah, sure, Rich's opinion will go with that. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously John Sim is, is introduced and Martha recognises his voice and it turns out he's Harold Saxon. We get that fantastic cameo from McFly. Big McFly fans in the house here. So And also hell, what's yeah. her face? Sharon Osborne. And way to way it? to way to age this show this this particular episode by like remember Sharon Osbourne remember when she was actually in the public consciousness because of X Factor here she is and, and the woman that, who did uh, Strictly, Strictly was it Anne something Anne Widdicombe yeah is that her is that Anne, is it Anne Widdicombe that's the first name that came to mind I'm gonna have to check this now I can't remember but yes, she did former yeah. member of the European Parliament yeah that's why she's in it because obviously she's a member of Parliament so it was very kind of like on topic. But McFly, how young do they look, though, bro? <laughs> I know, I know. So, so they're all so small. But yeah, uh, big fan of that. So obviously, you have the, the the recurring arc that goes through the this the course of the series, which obviously um, is a thing during the Russell T Davies era. For series one, we had Bad Wolf. Um, for series two, I'm trying to think. To be honest, Torchwood. Did that we? was it. Yeah, Torchwood. Um, I was thinking there is one. What is it? Ah, Torchwood. Uh, series three, it's Vote Saxon. It was super, super on the DL. Mm-hmm. Like, I love I mean, we I do mention that. it when we were recording previous episodes of the podcast. Because you... whenever we spot it. Yeah, we, we always say, oh, there's the Vote Saxon, there's the Vote Saxon. So it's quite a subtle undercurrent thing because it's really, really in the background. Unless you literally know to look for it, you wouldn't notice it. So, yeah, if anybody's uh, if anybody is watching this through Doctor Who through for the first time while listening to the podcast. Um, I'd be really interested to know if when we mentioned it, if you were keeping an eye out for it and so that when you got to this, it was like, oh my God, that's where it amounted to. Or obviously if you all just knew what it was coming to anyway. Well, James Matthews asks, the reason I brought this up is because he asks, do you think it was a good idea to keep Harold Saxon's identity a secret until the end or would you have liked to have seen his face in previous episodes? Oh, no. Definitely a good idea to keep it to the end because, I mean... It's just the reveal doesn't change whether you know his face or not. Um, I think actually it's better to do it the other way around that you know him as the master first rather than as Harold Saxon first. Because if you knew him as Harold Saxon first, then as soon as uh, Professor Yana regenerates into them into John Sims Master, you would instantly be like, oh, but that's Harold Saxon. So where is this going? Whereas doing it the other way around means that you get to discover it along with the characters like i've said martha is doing is really good at bringing the audience into the story and she goes hang on i know that voice and then when it starts the next episode she's like Finally, yeah that's the shoes Harold on the other Saxon. foot yeah like so we're the one behind it's very much a a good i think it's the best way of doing it because that reveal it impacts the audience to be like oh oh hang on he's harold's he's the prime minister where is this going like what's his plan what's his plot how did he do that it's been kind of staring you in the face this entire time but yeah not not really like if you didn't notice it don't worry you're not it's you're You're not not meant to feel stupid like Uh because i i I hate feeling stupid out of my own like uh, not of my own volition i'm not the kind i'm not like (laughs) i'm not an asshole but I don't like being put in a position where I feel thick. If you 
act stupid, fine, no drama. Oh, yeah. If you I'm are made idiot. to feel I'm a complete stupid, twat. that's Let's completely face it, different. But well, yeah. if I'm put in a position <laughs> where I just feel really thick, I'm like, I really don't like that. Mm. So, and thankfully, this isn't the case. And you know, Russell's like subtle hints of X, Y, and Z. You know, Bad Wolf, Torchwood, Vote Saxon. They're, they're always so subtle, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Not so much the case in series four. Mm. Um, because you've got Rose appearing on TV screens and the Dr. Donna, which we're going to get to. Yeah. Genuinely one of Russell T. Davies' worst decisions, but we'll get to that. We'll get but to yeah, that. Vote Saxon stuff I thought was great. So no, yeah. seeing him earlier would just kind of give things away. It would, I mean, it would also be interesting if it was like, think, oh my God, it's it was him this entire time. Yeah. The, the fact that it's like, it's much more subtle. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it kind of, it doesn't like leave you you're not in the dark because you're meant to know something yeah. you're not supposed to know it's kind of the the other extreme of being like here's this person they're super irrelevant or super sorry super relevant Blech, mm-hmm. i said that wrong but you know you don't know yet missy was the other way around it was like here's a character 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 surprise like, fair yeah. enough if that's the way you want to go about it absolutely it would have still worked but i like the fact the first three series kept these kind of recurring mm-hmm. things that will come to a point by the end of the series a lot more subtle i think from as well the only way they really could have done it by showing his face beforehand is if it was literally like a small flash on a tv screen that made yeah. the audience member go hang on haven't we seen his face before or very few audience members would have gone hang on wasn't he that guy that flashed up on the tv screen literally that one episode back like all the people that would have been like ago. oh look it's john sim yeah he's not there for he's no reason yeah and yeah. so that's why i think it was a good idea that they didn't do it but you also get that reveal of that woman the reporter who you think is just there to do a small piece on lucy's clothes and hair and then all of a sudden she turns it to be like this undercover kind of thing and that introduces like, you to the idea worries. of that so yeah. that's actually that is a that is a really good segue because let's let's talk about Lucy. Mm-hmm. So obviously she's very much on board. She is fully aware because you see the sort of the way that she reacts to the journalist that it's kind of like this. I yeah sure like oh I'm not actually that surprised and then it's the mm-hmm. kind of okay and then there's the malicious side because surprise he's been waiting there the entire time and so on and so forth and lo and behold he kills her and stuff like that. So you have this very dark very like what's in it for lucy really mm-hmm. is she a bit of a, a sociopath or something we don't really get much context as to as to that whether she's under the influence of the archangel network which i think like she that. is to a certain extent i am thing is i i don't think she was because now this is the thing i mentioned earlier the thing that i miss because for some reason this is never never clocked with me which mm. for Doctor Who, I feel, especially the era, this era that I know so well is rare because when we get to the third episode, so Last of the Time Lords, we get this change. Now, when the Master is regenerating on board the TARDIS from Derek Jacobi into John Sim, he mentions like he's, don't believe I got shot by a woman. You kind mm-hmm. of go, oh, that's a bit. That's a bit, That's uh, a bit strong. sexist. Goody, <laughs> mm, goody gumdrops, Masters are sexist, fun. And then it's like, you almost, like you kind of think, oh, that's probably just what this Master's like. Okay, whatever. And then it turns out, no, this is obviously what 
this this carried on through to John mm. Sims Master because it, uh, in partway through episode was it episode three or was it episode two? Maybe it's episode know. three. Um, Lucy is in her red dress. It is episode three. Yeah. So we see her in that for the rest of the episode. And she walks in and there's a shot where it pulls focus to her and she's got a bruise under her eye. Or she's mm-hmm. got like red red marks around her eye. And somehow I had never, ever clocked that. Which is one of the I things don't, I did I don't notice. Know, I don't know why. I just mm. never clocked it. Maybe I think just... It's... it's because I think it might be down to the fact that it's so unspoken Mm-hmm. and as much as you know as we said we analyze and stuff like that but i do in all my all my rewatches of it i'd never noticed that oh yeah i think i've never know- seen it i think it's one of the things i do notice every single time because it like you said when we were watching it it really gives you more context as to way more context lucy's eventual decisions to shoot him the, and betrayal, her character basically. yeah and her development do you notice how in the third episode she is a lot less um, she says she says nothing she, yeah she's a like, lot less forthcoming because in the first few episodes she's very outspoken with uh the master she's very what like do level do? pegging like, in terms of how yeah. they command a room almost yeah and she's very cutesy with him very cuddly very on his side and then you get to the last episode she's very distanced from him you notice even the physical space that mm-hmm. in the first episode they're always close together they're always holding each other they're always next to each other and the only time that they're not is when he's talking to another woman like tish for example when he calls her gorgeous that's the only yeah. time that him and lucy aren't like really close together and it's interesting because I think that seed was planted in the second episode because obviously he's like, Tish, you just stand there and look beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, that's just how he is. He's, he's this charmer. And then obviously, yeah, with this surprise, she's got a black eye. And then mm-hmm. a bit later on, she's like sort of limping. It's kind of like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you could, <laughs> elephant in the room, you could say that I hadn't noticed that because I'm a bloke. See, I don't think it's that. Uh, I don't think it's that, but I'm let's sure be somebody's honest, thinking it's not, it. It's but, not the sort of thing that you wouldn't <laughs> notice just because you're it's a It's not that I wouldn't because, notice, I mean, but I just, I had never clocked that before. Mm. So, you know, amidst all of that, and then obviously when it comes to that, oh, you know, I want my massage, you, you're, you're gorgeous. Oh, Lucy, we should, you know, basically you two should experiment. This should be mm-hmm. fun. It's kind of like now that they're like, again before i'm just like oh that's just that's just how his character is he's a charmer he's a bit of a dick but now there's that there is again i i'm genuinely <laughs> when we were watching it, i was like i don't know how i didn't see that because it's like it's so obvious it's like here's a pull focus and a signpost that mm. says look at her like and that, also that that particular scene the context changes immediately because it's like he's just being a douche i'd also like to comment on her outfit now this is a very very typical english literature student thing to do the curtains were blue because the author was sad at the time of writing or whatever the hell it <laughs> All is the curtains were is. blue yeah so but for example in mice and men is a very very poignant example of this how well it's done everything dangerous in of mice and men is red always yeah. i don't know if how many of you have read of mice and men or had to study for english literature oh, we just had believe to. me everything dangerous is red now all the way through 
everything you see of Lucy, she is in the same dark clothing, the same black clothing, the same Harold Saxon, like, equal level playing field. Politician teen. However, she gets to the third episode and suddenly she's in a very, very standout red dress. Now, this could be one of two things, or both. First of all, it obviously points to the fact that she is his demise. She is the danger in the situation. She is the thing you need to be paying attention to. And yet somehow Mm -hmm. you still don't pick up on it enough the first time you watch it to realise that she is going to be the one that pulls the trigger because you think she's under his thumb. She's always, like, goes along with it. As much as she doesn't speak, it should be more obvious, and yet it's not. It's almost like distraction technique. Like, she's in bright red, obviously, but we won't pay attention to that because that seems too obvious. The second thing is the style of clothing and the style of hair, the style of makeup. In the first episode, she's very put together, like you said, very clean, very covered. In the third episode, she's very broken down. Her hair is falling out. It's very swift, very like she's made to feel almost like sexy. And But I think that is a basically a play on the idea that she is now being used by him and being put in the way he wants her the way she isn't on a level paying field because he's basically made her his uh submissive submissive if is that the word i'm looking for not in a sexual way not necessarily but but like yeah i know what you mean yeah yeah she is basically he's established himself as being above asserting himself over her and you can see that in the way that she's dressed and it it very much puts the the notice to be like this is she has like changed so much in a year that she's now become this kind of broken down almost like not Husk. sex se- like I was going to say sex slave obviously not a sex slave but do you understand where I'm going with this like he uses yeah, she, her she he is, abuses she her she is the top of the bottom yeah like, and, and, and unfortunately for her it means she's the one that gets the abuse, yeah, be it physical, mm-hmm. we don't obviously sexual. We don't know what it, what uh, yeah. what time lord dingle dangles are like. So, but if they even have a dingle it, dangle, who knows? It's that very derogatory way yeah. of dressing her, and that very kind of look at her. She is now essentially a slut. Um, she's not a slut, obviously. There's no such thing as a slut. That's a whole other matter. But, but you mean in the way that she's portrayed? Yes, yeah. Versus and this so, very prim, proper, covered yeah. up person to begin with yeah yeah so i think that is another like it's so well done and so subtly done and this idea of her being in this bright red dress and also in that whole scenario she is the only person in the room dressed in color that is another thing that i noticed like everyone else is in really dark tones really dark blues blacks grays like martha's in a fully black outfit her family are in black like kind of nurse not nurse what's the word I'm looking for made outfits like boiler suits jacks in a very dark outfit the doctors in dark pyjamas even the masters in a dark outfit like literally no one in the room has colour except for Lucy and yet somehow you still do not expect it to be her maybe some of you did maybe it's a thing it's almost like it's it's a kind of obvious twist to come out of it really but The thing that got me watching it again was really just how signposted it was. Mm-hmm. Like, but, and as you say, it's a testament to writing, it's a testament to maybe how we perceive things. That it's like, look, here's the blatantly obvious character. As you say, she's in color. Like, mm-hmm. there she is. Look at her. And yet you still kind of don't. Mm. 
it's heartbreaking to think that that character gets has to go through that. Mm. But it's done so well. I mean, when it comes to analysing this, so funnily enough, I I did media produ- uh, media studies at A level, and when we were doing our mocks for our AS or A twos, I can't remember which one it was. We had a question that was like, right, we're going to watch a clip, we're going to analyse a scene mm-hmm. from something and we need to analyse it. And funnily enough, it was from the exact point that Martha came back onto the Valiant when the yeah. doors open and she walks in, she walks through and there's all the family looking at her and it's like, bow your head on your knees, blah, 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 blah. All the way through up until the master is cowering in fear of the doctor flying across the room. That was the section that we had to analyse in an exam. Mm. So this episode is like that particular section is so set in my memory because I watched it over and over and over again in an exam scenario. And there's nothing quite like when you get something to do to analyze in an exam. I know there's only a mock, but like you get that, you know, that you've already got context of and you can start picking away at that. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. Mm -hmm. And obviously lucy is is irrelevant in that scene you don't she's just she's just kind of not there mm-hmm. but then speaking of lucy in a scene and this is something i pointed out that again hadn't spotted before because i wouldn't have been looking at it in an analytical way so the doctor gets aged by the master and his laser yeah. screwdriver very blatantly just a laser very aggressive word screwdriver yeah okay paralleling the doctor merchandising mm-hmm. absolutely um he's aged him once He's gotten older, or visually older, and then he's aged him again, and now he's a little testicle of a man. Yeah. And yet, in the shots of when, obviously, the master framed him up to be, to broadcast this down to work so Martha could see it, Lucy was also in the shot. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, when they filmed these this sequence, David Tennant had to just kind of do lots of flailing and screaming and stuff, and they sped it up mm-hmm. big time. He had to do that so much in season three, didn't he? Especially yeah. when he was talking to Martha in Human Nature, like, fantastic stuff. Um... And yet, in that particular shot, when you're seeing it on the black and white screen, the only other person in shot was Lucy. Mm-hmm. And either that was just a small how it ended of- up, or whether it was like we're gonna put her there. We want it to be very clear to the audience if they look for it in the same way that the rest of her arc in that episode. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, really, she doesn't do much in episode two of this this trilogy she's just kind of there as you say she she plays up to the master she sort of stands with him a lot both yeah in a in a metaphorical sense and visually um and yet here she is she is in the background of the shot they want you to see that she is right at the front of this she's mm-hmm. seeing this happen and it's like oh i have to make her stand really still and she did a pretty good job. There are moments when you can see her very briefly, like moving quickly, but otherwise, you don't really she's focus there. On and it's it. like, because you've got this shot that would take so long to do, why on earth would you put somebody in the background that shouldn't be there for the sake of that, not making it look like it's been David Tennant sped up? Mm-hmm. And yet they did. And so there's ever obviously since that, a reason. Ever for since that. That, that, that bruised eye clocked, for me, it was like I spotted her more. Mm so and that's again testament to damn good tv like absolutely incredible stuff english literature jesus that came out wrong (laughs) english literature students and media students all over the country are pooping themselves with just analysis yeah i know it's quite (laughs) funny actually how when you look back at english and you write things and it's like yeah the, the, the curtains were blue joke 
you don't, you know, when you write stuff, it's like, yeah, okay, I could say this because of this and blah, 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 blah. But interestingly, when I did media production at uni and we were shooting films, they were things we were genuinely thinking about because obviously mm. you've got your script, but, you know, compared to, to written work, you have so much more you can play with. You have audio, you have visuals, and you can use that to your advantage to tell yeah. a story. And it's amazing when you go back and you look at things where you almost think you, you didn't, you didn't have to put that much effort into those little bits and pieces. You didn't have to, and yet they yeah. did. And that's why doing something like EK is so good, because you can go back and see things like that. Mm-hmm. Like down to the cinematography. Let's bring things back towards the Doctor and Martha. When, for example, they come back to Earth after Utopia. Yeah. And they go back to Martha's flats. And basically that entire sequence, as you pointed out, is shot on a Dutch angle. Mm-hmm. Because it is, as you know... Get your pens and paper out, lads, because we're going to do some more analysing. In a similar vein to how it was, it was in The Idiot's Lantern, everything was shot on a Dutch yeah, angle. Yeah, I think yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. It's like it's meant to be this, okay, here's here's something that should be familiar, and yet it's not Yeah, familiar. I was going to say, it makes different. you feel Something's uncomfortable. Changed. Because they've come back to the 21st century, the time that they know, the time they've not been away from. Literally, they were there. Mm-hmm only an episode ago to refuel very briefly like they know what this place is like and yet surprise it's all actually really different yeah and just shooting those sections that segment inside martha's flat everything on a, on a dutch angle it really really heavily puts into perspective that yeah things are not as they seem or things mm. are different purely in their own little bubble hence yeah. why those angles probably stayed within the room because when it gets to like the car chasey kind of bit everything's sort of straight and narrow again. Yeah, there are a couple more Dutch angles that you notice when the Doctor is on the phone to um, the Master and it brings you back to, like, the CCTV and stuff. I think there was maybe one or two Dutch angles during that segment, but nothing Which might have been a bit more down to just stylized stuff, whereas the stuff in the flat is very much... Very much on purpose. This is their reality, or the reality they think they know, and surprise, it is all very suddenly different because at the minute... Mm -hmm they're getting their head around what's going on and when they're back out into the world it's like okay this is the world we're in now yeah so everything kind of levels out again and i think martha is she uh kind of pinpoints that frames that very well by saying hang on it's only four days after we left and then that kind of makes you think like oh so do we know this bit have we been here before and yet it feels so uncomfortable because of that juxtaposition to how it would have been when we first were in that time space and the dutch angles frame that so well because it's such a visual cue to make you think hang on there's definitely something awry here because the camera just switches completely like it's probably why in what is such a small space those angles are so aggressive Mm -hmm. because it's meant to look strange like i know like i'm picturing it in my head right now and it's like i know there are like bright colors in that room Mm-hmm. like i'm picturing it way more wacky than it actually was i think it's like it, a blue still, color yeah it's like pastel it's like it just mm. still feels super like surreal like they're woken up in a dream and the, the, oh the walls are purple now not not off-white like they are everywhere mm. like it's that kind of vibe and i love that when they actually do that they play around with the cinematography it's the same with the the stuff with the master in the cabinet room yeah. stuff starts quite straight and it starts to all move around and it all gets a bit weird and it's like, yeah, they, it's amazing how you can use the camera to do that. Like, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, you know, if you ever go off and do media studies at school or you go to university or college or whatever, you'll be taught so much about how 
there are so many more facets to telling a story when you look for it. It's super interesting to see. Yeah. And it, the fact that you can go back to something like Doctor Who at this time, when you've got, you know, CGI that looks pretty wanky at times, like the, the matte painting of the people walking across the, the walkway into the rocket was a bit ropey. Yeah. Like, you've got things like that, but then you look at the cinematography of it and go, actually, do you know what? They're really onto something here. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm really excited to watch Midnight again. And oh, look God. at how the, the camera work changes throughout the course of the episode. Yeah. Because that stuff I find fascinating. Because I, my job now is literally cinematography. Mm-hmm. But in a game, in a virtual game space. That's what I do now. So it's like, I get to look for things like that. I get to potentially use things like that within reason. Mm-hmm. So seeing that explored in this episode is fantastic. But while we're on the topic of the Doctor and Martha, let's talk about actually the Doctor specifically. Because this is a huge moment for him in a similar vein to like, Dalek when surprise there's one more of you at least mm-hmm. at the time um and the way that David Tennant reacts to that like it's it's interesting how when Yana is revealed and he introduces himself as the master to Chantho and subsequently us the audience mm-hmm. but he's not the master to the doctor I think just the motivations of this master locking them in like putting two doors between them and genuinely just looking pretty damn evil the doctor just knew yeah he didn't need to to have it have it spelled out for him he just knew it was him mm-hmm. and i think that must have been for the doctor himself as much as obviously he sees the best in everyone he always the thing about david Tennant, like no second chance is kind of doctor but they do get a first chance yeah like even though that was still what he wanted to do with the master, it must have been devastating to know that that one Time Lord that's left, it had to be him, evil. <laughs> but then it's like the master had the same reaction. It's like, out of everyone to escape the Time War, it had to be you, didn't it? Yeah, and it's because they're so... They literally are like polar opposites. It's, it's the reason they mention it when they're on the phone to each other like he literally says i like it when you call me the master and he and the doctor goes you chose the name and the master goes as did you and it kind of really hammers home for the audience like one of these people is the pure definition of chaotic evil where he's like the master he needs to be in control he needs to be the leader of all versus the doctor who as the master rightly points out, it is quite a uh, sort of what's the word I'm looking for? Not narcissistic at all, but basically like where you understand the importance you hold. Um, yeah. It's like the opposite of nobility. I think you always put pressure on yourself, but you could also read it as you're a bit obnoxious because you yeah, want to be. But it's you not. want to be the hero in yeah. everything, and so I think that's the way the master spins it. But the way the doctor sees it is definitely I call myself the doctor because I want to help people and I need to help people. Um, so it's a very kind of poignant part of the episode where they have that like tiny discussion about their names in the middle because obviously none of us know the master's real name we don't know the doctor's real name we just know they are the master and the doctor um and i think that's a really really important line that russell wrote in was the fact that they have that small conversation about who they are as people within literally just discussing their namesakes and yeah i just think it's really really clever that 
something like that can come out of literally like 20 seconds of dialogue. And the fact that in reality, you are reminded that they are cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. They're just patterned differently to keep the metaphor going. I suppose it's not the best metaphor, but we'll run with it. Mm -hmm. Easy Haywood asks... So kind of spearheading off this, this conversation and this relationship is the right word, is would you ever be able to see the Doctor-Master relationship as anything other than platonic? A lot of people ship them. Uh And this is probably more the Capaldi-Missy era. And while I don't, I'd be curious to know your opinion on it. No. (laughs) No. I think it's... There's... The love that the Doctor has for basically everyone except those far few between people that he really despises uh it's not a oh my god i'm in love with you it's a i care about you it's a i love you because you are the last of my kind you're the last friend i really ever had you know as much as they might not be friends there is always that underlying tone of they were friends and so he would never ever be able to hate him like at all i don't think despite what he does he never claims to hate him and even at the end he says i forgive you you know yep. so there's no way i mean i get it people ship people because they're probably because bored and they do. want something to do but i could never ship the doctor and the master that's just such a weird i mean yeah, okay missy is a slightly different context because you know she's female and the doctor is male and probably cis and whatever you want to go into that no, with that's so it's a whole easy, of the kettle of it, fish it, okay so say it's, it's, the, it's the most it's the most obvious yeah, thing because pairing. that's how there's nothing to wired. say that you can't ship gay people at all because you obviously can and a lot of people do i just don't think that's the whole mean. shipping thing is it's irrelevant yeah it's not i don't get it it's i don't I don't, why do you have to ship people together? Why can't they just have the relationship that is portrayed on screen? I'm not saying that if you're if you do, you're wrong. Like at all, you you do you, boo. I'm always a some people. Of it's you just do some you. people can be horrendously aggressive. Yeah. With things like that, so it's it's the toxic fandom kicking in. Mm-hmm. But I I mean I feel the same way that yeah it's not something that I would want to see happen. The only thing I can think of when I read that question would be again the doctor and missy but that's not because it would be a a heteronormative relationship and that's all i see it as hell no the reason i would see that happening and this is purely from missy's side i don't think the doctor would be ever interested Mm -mm. but i think because the doctor always had that want to save the master to bring the master back down to earth and to be like can you stop being a nutter for like five minutes yeah and you know as much as again we'll get to the missy arc that almost happens and that Mm -hmm. that's the only context i feel that i if the missy not so much made that move, but had those feelings be known, like had that realisation within herself, then I could understand it. I wouldn't want it to happen. Yeah. At least not in a um, a um, consensual way, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Not mm-hmm. saying I want Missy to do something really bad. I just mean as in it wouldn't be... Consent is not the right Unrequited. word. Unrequited. Um, no. Um, like the doctor responds positively yeah. in like... What's the word for that? Oh, aff- Affirmation. No, it's no? not that. I'm trying to think what the word is. Ah, damn it. Is um, it? Reciprocates. Posit- oh, That's reciprocates. The word. If the doctor reciprocated it, I'd be like, nah. But if Missy genuinely made her feelings known after all of that stuff, you know, mm. when it got to the point of world enough and time, if that were a thing, that there was actually feelings there from her because it's like, oh my God, you 
you've you've almost saved me yeah i could understand that i would i could get behind that feeling not that it would go anywhere but Mm -hmm. that would in my eyes i'd be okay with that that would work that's kind of what i that's again that's within this massive context of the missy arc over three series so Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a sudden like it's not going to be a a martha storyline where where the master regenerates into whoever next sees shooty gatra and goes I'll have a slice of that. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Like, bleh. And that's would, kind I mean, of... To some extent, for a character like the Master versus just a companion, it would be a very interesting direction to go in. Yeah. But, yeah. but I don't think... I think that's kind of what I was trying to get at, is that Missy's contextual development is very, very different to the rest of the Masters. And yes. she's really the only one that ever, ever comes close to being the Doctor's friend and ever kind yep. of actually companionizes him, whereas the rest of them are all just kind of at each other's throats. And so shipping Doctors before Missy, I really don't think should be... Like, it's just not really a thing that I would ever see within those character structures. And so I think, like you said, Missy could really be the only potential eventuality for that because of her development. But I, I, even then, I still don't think it would be right to create, try no. and force a romantic relationship through the Doctor and the Master. No, not at all. I totally agree with you on that one. And I mean, there's a bunch of questions from people that were asking about, you know, what, how would you rank the new Who Masters? People are asking about the old Masters, but oh, Jesus, Amy hasn't seen any old Master episodes and I don't know them that well. So no. if, we, if we talked about new Who Masters, I would say, because again, because of things we'll get to eventually, Missy mm-hmm. is probably the most interesting Master and the most well portrayed. Like I'm, I am scared and yet, I'm popping. I'm pitching a tent down here. I was here. just about to say. I knew Help. you were going to say aroused. Jesus Christ! Just because she's fit. <laughs> yeah, but there's the you know, I've, not to go too deep into what I like in the bedroom, but it's I'm not one that was like, hello, I would like to be dominated, please. But it's also like, uh, do you know I'll what? I'll take a slice I of feel, that. I, I feel like I'd make an exception for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's not the motivation solely as to as to why I love Missy so much, but that that's the vibe you got from Missy. You got this kind of it's not seductive sort of specifically but there is that I don't know, there is that element there is that vibe with her character and Mm -hmm. it kind of makes you appreciate her i mean if you're into that fair enough but like i think it just makes it gives the character something so different to what we've seen before and i love that about her and again her arc that i think it still ended kind of well i think people now just want context of where missy fits into the master's canon that's yeah. what we need to know yeah because sasha Dwan turns up and it's like okay it's like chaotic evil just to the max like that's mm-hmm. basically how it lands so i put missy first for me mm-hmm. which is probably my favorite master of the new era john sims master second because mm-hmm. his at least his russell stories i mean I, again i think the world enough in time is like I, i'll probably think differently when i see it but i'm like i don't that doesn't feel as important to him as it does for like Missy. Mm-hmm. Um, but then go back and look at Russell T Davies era and the John and John Sims master. I think that's really good. And then Sasha Twan, he's an incredible actor and he's, his master is so well performed. Mm. But I think because of the context of his motivation being the whole timeless children thing, I'm like, uh, because of the fact that that, that arc was unfounded in itself. It wasn't super well established. Yeah. It kind of meant that as much as, his motivation was pointing towards something very specific and the way that he portrayed it was really good because that foundation is a little bit rocky. It doesn't have the same effect as like John Sims master or Missy's master, especially. Yeah. 
So that's that's how I would. And obviously, Derek Jacobi, I kind of wouldn't put. We him can't in the really rank him because he, he was kind so of stands short. by himself because he, as, as we said earlier, like he was this introductory part to John Sims Master, so mm-hmm. he kind of stands on the sidelines, kind yeah. of like how the War Doctor in John Hurt is kind of like you can put him in the rankings, absolutely, but he didn't do. He did you know, canonically did a lot, but screen time and stuff. I wouldn't want to put him up with the rest of the Doctors because he hasn't had the same fair shot. You could say the same about Paul McGann or the same about Christopher Eccleston, but then numbered Doctors, War Doctor isn't. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't cetera, really, cetera, I can't, I'm not going to lie to you, I can't really rank them because I don't remember much <laughs> of Missy and I try not to remember much of Chibnall. If I'm honest, the only <laughs> the only thing that really stands out during Chibnall's era was kind of Sasha Dwan's master, to be honest with you. Yeah, um, that's and fair. So I'm not going to rank them. I'm just going to let you enjoy Richard's ranking of them. Richard's ranking? I called you Richard. Deal with what it. What the hell, Amy? That's know. just not... That's just weird. I don't like it. Um. So... Is it really, because we're an hour, and, hour and 20 minutes through Crikey. yeah it's uh just for context half, it's, it's nearly 10 o'clock in the evening and we have not had dinner yet <laughs> it's gonna be a late one um go stick potatoes on while i while i put this next sort of bit into play. no um <laughs> so if we kind of jump through to getting towards the end of or at least into um, last of the time Lords specifically mm-hmm. uh, actually just very briefly uh, Voodoo Child by the uh, Rogue Traders what oh, a banger tune. actually do you know what somebody was on Twitter somebody asked actually like do you think that was was that uh, right I'm going to bring up some lovely lovely media terms for y'all now like I'm, I'm going to try and find you the question you need to find the question because it's just because I don't want to answer a question and not shout out who asked it because that's just really that's bad that's not fair that's just rude I will ignore the fact that this tweet went out on August 27th. It's fine. Um, <laughs> where Whoops. are you? No, it's, okay, it's not in there. Maybe it was on in, oh, Instagram. Not Instagram. Spotify. Spotify, hey, that's yeah. the word I was looking for. Uh, basically, I'll, I'll explain the question while I'm finding it, was when um, Voodoo Child came on, was it being played digetically? What the bloody hell does that mean? I was gonna, I was gonna ask you. Do you know what the my assumption and of the word, is? My assumption of the word digestically is: Do the characters know it's happening, or is it just an audience portrayal? Is that correct? Jake Stewart, I found it. Yes. So digetic audio in something, or digetic as as a term, is like it's 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 pres- it's present in the context of a scene, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. So who's sorry? Who read the question? Who wrote the so question? So Jake Stewart on, okay. on Spotify. So what's the uh, so question? Like, do you do you reckon uh, Master Hab Road Traders blasting out across the world while he's sending out the globe things? Sure. <laughs> I I would fully say yeah. I mean Lucy's dancing to it, so is the master. I I'd like to it think it would have so. been I think he would because I mean, you know, it's the master. There's a lot of music we get Scissor Sisters he cry. in episode three as well. Mm-hmm. I think just for the sake of that chaotic evil, imagine if it's like you've just seen the president of the United States get blown to pieces on telly, and then all of a sudden the 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 sky breaks. You got this bloke on TV, the Prime Minister of the UK. Surprise, he's actually an alien or something. And he said, mm. "See you guys. You're all gonna die." Imagine the sky opening, and all of a sudden, everywhere you just hear "Voodoo Child" by Rogue Traders. It'd be so weird. You'd, you'd be so confused. Yeah. You'd be, you know, you'd be pooping yourself, quite mm-hmm. frankly. So yeah, I would fully say that the master had that playing oh 100%. yeah 100 he was blaring that across the globe mm-hmm. which 
is just peak master. Yeah, absolutely. And while it adds to the, like, you might think, oh, you know, because, I mean, Voodoo Child at the time was a pretty, I mean, in the UK, it was a huge song. It was oh, like, pretty tune. high up in the charts. It is a banging song. And you might think, okay, it seems a bit peculiar, like, to have that as the song to, to kick things off in a scene like this. Because, I mean... Again, Murray Gold's score in this season as a whole, but oh, God, especially incredible. in this episode, is so good. Yeah. Um, and like having Voodoo Child just seems a bit strange when you've got this purely um, uh, orchestrated, like this written original compi- soundtrack, and then you've got this random compiled song. Yeah. It's like, okay, that seems a bit strange, but again, context with the master, fantastic. I think very it briefly, works. very very quickly on this, with talking about music and the master, the master's theme is incredible mm. even if it's most of the time it's just that sort of like the, the the orchestrated version of the four beats yeah but then there's also you hear it for the first time i think when the master regenerates and then you hear it again from time to time and that's there's that kind of um uh it's almost like a call yeah um it's not a guitar something i'm trying to picture because i did it I, I said it to you earlier um it's kind of like an it's like a yeah within the um within the piece of music and it's like this this primal call mm. like this is like this chaos that's been presented in the music of this episode in, in the master's theme like that primal nature just says this is what he is this isn't mm-hmm. a change in heart this is just his primal instinct he is wired for chaos yeah. and that music really plays into that and whenever i heard that it always a bit oh chills mm-hmm. like because it's just it's so different from what you're ex- what you what you expect in a theme for a character yeah in doctor who and then suddenly there's this really primal thing and mm-hmm. i love it i love it so much it's so good so martha walks the earth the gun in four parts which you know in hindsight yeah it's super duper obvious, but I think even when I watched it for the first time, I was never convinced it'd be the case. I don't know. I thought it it's very easy to watch it back now that you know what happens and go, oh, obviously that was so fake. I mean, look at it. They're literally like bright blue, bright red and bright, bright yellow. Like, how are you supposed to not realise that that's fake? Um, but that whole scene with her and... Uh, what's the woman's name? Doctor... Doctor what's it? I can't remember. I can't remember her name. The character, the woman who betrays them. Um, it's such a... It's very easy to watch it back and go, oh yeah, she says no, you're enemy because she's talking about the woman, not necessarily the orbs, but she the is master. also talking about yeah. the orbs of the master. And that whole thing of planting the seed of it being a gun to kill him, that's why she needed to get captured and all that kind of stuff. I think back when I was, like, younger watching it for the first time, I probably thought, oh, damn, she's been thwarted. Like, she turned her in. Like, how dare you? Um, But it also gives her the context of being like, is my son still alive? Like, is he okay? Hence why, at the end, Martha gives her flowers and says, I don't blame you. She knows it's not a malicious thing. She is on the same level as everyone else. She's just trying to to survive. help her son. Yeah. Um, So I think it's... I was always kind of like, no, the gun, it's been destroyed. Like, how is she ever going to get out of this one? And then you kind of realise, oh, it was the plot the whole time. Um, Yeah. I think it was very cleverly done, though. Like, it's something that you don't really see coming unless, uh, like I said, you've watched it before. So I think it's it's very much a... uh, 
what's a bait and switch kind of situation. Yeah, red herring, yeah. as it were. And yeah, it, it lends itself to being an interesting take. And it, yeah, if you if you don't read it properly or almost like you don't understand that, you know, she's not actually going to kill him. No. Like, it's just not what she would do. I mean, even with the motivations they all have, especially when it's like they're showing the, the Jones is locked up on the Valiant and it's like, I want to kill him. No, I'm going to kill him. No, I'm going to kill him. It's like everyone's on the same mindset and obviously everyone's just saying, you're going to kill the master, aren't you? That's what you're doing. That's why you're walking the earth and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's so obvious it's not the case, really. Mm-hmm. Again, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But then you get to the ending and you have the Archangel Network and contextually, yeah, it could work. Like, the fact that Doctor kind of um, integrates himself with the matrices. Yeah, that was that a bit flimsy. It's a bit of a... A little I'm, bit I'm like... reverse oh. the polarity of this. Like, sure, whatever. Sure. Um, and the the way that, you know, spreading the word of the Doctor and they all know like when to talk about him, when to think, because they're all connected in this big... Um, Archangel you know, hive network, yeah. Hive mind kind of thing, this... Uh, What's the, what's the phrase they use? Psychic. Uh, Psychic network, network, I think is what thing. they call it, yeah. Yeah, something like that. So it's like, yeah, like, contextually it works. Like, fair enough. It's one of those things where like I would like to have seen more of the Doctor maybe, I don't know, meditating or something. Mm-hmm. And the Master being like, the hell are you doing? And the Doctor just ignores him. It's like, eh, whatever, you're, you're my prisoner. Pff, I don't care. You can't do anything from down from up here. It- so... I said to you when we were watching it, the whole him being brought back to his current self and evolving backwards, and it feels almost too fiction-y for science fiction. Yeah, it feels almost too paranormal. While there is, you know, as some of the best things about Doctor Who, like you go back to something like The Unquiet Dead, you've got Mm -hmm. gas monsters, and it's like, that's just their their form, that's their alien form and so on. It's like, well, it's not actually down to ghosts and and things like that. This is one of those points where it genuinely did feel, even though all the context was there to say this is what's happening Mm -hmm. in a science-y, science-y, fiction-y sense, it still felt like magic. Yeah, it was a bit too magical, wasn't it? I said it feels more Harry Potter than Doctor Who in the way that they kind of all think the same thing at the same time and all suddenly look at him, he's fixed. Like, it's a little bit, pull a solution out your ass ever so slightly. I feel like if it had, if the Archangel Network had maybe linked into, um, I don't know, like his sonic screwdriver and that had kind of like reacted with the laser screwdriver which had shot him and then reverses it would have been a bit better because then that would have been a little bit more sciencey and a bit more tangible solution whereas this was very just kind of like look at me i'm magically reversing wee and i'm now flying across the stage like why why do you fly he's already terrified of the fact that you're basically regenerating backwards again you don't need to fly <laughs> yeah i mean sam nixon asked that um that russell sometimes gets accused of deus ex machina endings this being the biggest one that people point out as a deus ex machina mm. um but th- there's lots of setups uh, dotted through the episodes Rewatching this did they stand out to you more and i'd say i'd argue that i mean you know what you see is what you get apart from the whole you know, abuse to Lucy thing I missed. Um, but I don't think it stands out more because it's not 
as prevalent. Obviously, it's there to be that bait and switch, as you say, from mm-hmm. the gun to surprise. She's actually spreading the word, not finding parts of a gun. Yeah. But I almost feel like, like I said, if there was the like the doctor meditating or that he's that he's doing something because he was just shown as a prisoner. If the yeah. doctor was doing something interesting, maybe that would make people think. I know that it may take potentially take away from the whole. The gun's been destroyed. She's, you know, she's crap out of luck, as mm-hmm. it were. Like maybe it would have detracted from that a little bit, but or maybe there was like, here's the central hub of the Archangel Network. Like everything's running through here. So whatever yeah, I tell people to do, they can or... do. In the same way that like when the when the master's like taken away and it's like right, we need to destroy the paradox machine. And the guards are just like, sure, we'll just help Jack. Mm-hmm. He's not been our prisoner for the last year, but we'll just help him. Like, if it showed the Archangel Network, the people that the Master had under his control sort of more directly... Coming out of it. Just sort of snapping out of it. Maybe it would have given that that um, fact that David... Sorry, the Doctor, like, like got himself into the, the system and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, it would have maybe given it a bit more grounding. Because I don't think... I don't see it as a deus ex machina. I think it just... It, not so much it needed to be signposted. I think they just needed to be that little bit more to make it feel a little bit more tangible because yeah. from a, a narrative perspective, it works. Mm-hmm. It's it's I, I'd argue it's quite a clean way to do it. The yeah. reversing of it, the eye of the storm, the fact that obviously Martha's the Jones has got uh, this trauma of seeing people being mm-hmm. slaughtered and stuff. Like, I love that that was still kind of kept in the year that never was, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Like, I don't see it as a bad ending. No. I think this trilogy is really strong and it reminds me of how good overall series three really is. Because mm-hmm. it's got some really, really strong episodes. Yeah. And I mean, two the pacing. And this. The like pacing, three episodes, it's, it's, it's incredible. The pacing throughout the entire three episodes never once leads me to think, God, I'm bored. Like yeah. everything happens for a reason and everything is well put together and well paced and well spaced out that you don't at any point think, Jesus Christ, this is going to cost three episodes because each individual episode almost tells its own story, but it still leads into the wider plot. Um, Which is the best kind of trilogy. Yeah. And I think Which some that, films just can't do. I think that Martha walking the earth and telling the story of the Doctor is a very well kind of well-rounded idea well-rounded plot i just wish that the doctor hadn't floated in blue light that's yeah. literally the and only not, part that i, I don't I wouldn't like argue that the archangel network is a is a uh a deus ex machina because it's so omnipresent through the yeah. story it's mentioned so many times it's brought up as like this is how we can take the master down mm-hmm. but yeah not in the way that it's you not, were, like you were initially pitching like, it's, it's not in the same present. way that Matt Smith solves his problems within the last five minutes of the episode by suddenly going, oh, I've got a solution. It's The solution it's, is baked in. It's just... Because it's like such a quick thing. Uh-huh. Because that whole sequence is only like five minutes long. That's probably why people see it as a deus ex machina, which I can understand, but it's like, no, but the groundwork has really been there. Yeah, yeah. It's not just like, as you say, there are some Moffat episodes that just end. It's like, bosh, mm-hmm. it's gone. It's like, oh, that was it. Okay, great. Yeah. Like, this wasn't one of those things... And I feel like if you go back and watch it again, like really knowing that it is really all there, mm-hmm. it just needed that just doesn't little come bit more. Like that, there was something else going on. Yeah, the bait and switch is fine, but there almost needed to be a couple more breadcrumbs, just a few more sprinkles, just mm-hmm. somewhere, just to really not make people think it was a Deus Ex Machina. Mm-hmm. I can I can see why, but I I don't necessarily agree. 
and that kind of answers what Matt has asked as well, saying that, that like he would say it's one of the best finales of Doctor Who as a whole, but they think the ending is a massive disappointment with a big reset button. Mm. So again, I can understand why people saw it like that, but I don't necessarily agree. Yeah. It could have been better, but I don't think it was bad. I don't mm-hmm. think it detracts from what is a genuinely brilliant trilogy, trilogy. of episodes. Yeah. Probably the best. Well, I say probably. Definitely the one best. One of the best. Trilogies that have been there in New Who, because if there is a third one, which I can't remember, but yeah. The Monks mm. trilogy in season 10 didn't didn't stand up the whole way through, whereas this one Does. really did. Yeah. Um, and as we are like nearly... 15 minutes away from a two hour long episode this is our longest episode so far but admittedly yes it It is three episodes and there's a lot to talk about because obviously we've got john sim and yada 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 and there are loads of questions that we haven't had a chance to get to there is one more main thing that we need to talk about are we going to talk about martha we're going to talk about martha thank god and martha's departure yeah so martha's arc so Russell has this tendency to make his companions all this and all super important. We've got Rose is the bad wolf. That Martha kind of continues the through. The earth. That continues through into series two. Martha's the one who walked the earth. We have the Doctor Donna, which can do one. Quite frankly, I still stand by that point. <laughs> I've watched Stolen Earth and Journey's End so many times. It's a Dalek episode, of course. I've seen it loads of times. The Doctor Donna arc, I absolutely flipping detest it. Yeah, I really, really do. Um. So Martha's relevance is the most grounded of the three, mm-hmm. I feel, especially since it kind of didn't happen, but for her it did, etc., etc., etc. But then it comes to her leaving because obviously Freema Adjaman only signed on for the one series, although she's not exactly gone for very long because she's in Torch with series two. She comes mm-hmm. back in series four in Doctor Who, so she's not gone for that long, really. Her departure is an interesting one. You have Jack and the Doctor talking about Rose oh, she was blonde due to busy blogging. Like one of yeah. those, the, the rare times the Doctor gets something Earth-based kind of wrong. Mm-hmm. And I love that it's a lot more subtle than how Matt Smith's Doctor did it. Yeah, yeah, You've got them, Jack and the Doctor, happy that Rose is alive because Jack saw her on the list mm-hmm. of the dead and they talk about it in the uh, radiation chamber and obviously Martha can hear them and so on and so yeah. forth. Yeah. You've got all of that stuff, and then it's the doctor saying, Oh, you know, you, the, with the perception filter keys, you know, it's like you fancy somebody that can't see you, and she looks at Jack and he's like, You too. It's like, Yeah, okay. Yeah, this we, is the recurring we've been here, done the course that. of the series. <laughs> we've pointed this out every time it happens here on the podcast. And again, watching this through, really, while I remember that when Martha goes, because, you know, she has people to look after because her family has said they're suffering from arguably ptsd mm-hmm. from the events of the last year and a day um that no one else would know about martha will be able to help them but they can't really go to anyone else because they'll just think they're nuts yeah um and then obviously she leaves the tardis and the doctor's like okay i i understand it's fine don't worry i'm used to being alone that's how i really do things even though it's not but yeah anyway. she comes back in and she does the whole it's like my mate my mate vicky and she fancied this guy. Sure. And he never looked at her twice and all this sort of thing. Blah, blah, blah. She was head over heels for me. It went on for years and years and years. And the doctor's like, is this, is this going anywhere? And she's like, yeah, because I always told her to get out. And that's what I'm doing. And the doctor's kind of like, that's the moment he realised what was going on. And this is the first mm. time that I've watched that again, because we're looking at it analytically, that I've gone, 
because I've I've never detested I've never disliked Martha. I think maybe her series helps her because her series is overall really really strong. Yeah. But, and that you know the, the oh you know she's in love with him and blah blah blah. She can't be sick of sick of hearing about Rose and yada yada yada. Like, it was really this time that I looked at it and watched this scene and mm-hmm. I was like, do you know what? Now I can see why people really didn't like you. Mm. For me, I think it's. I, I mean, I, I like Martha's character. I really do. The only thing I don't like about Martha's character is the fact that she instantly falls in love with the Doctor. I've said that numerous times on this podcast. But I think this exit for me, it's really, really slightly touched upon when she goes, do you know what? I spent a lot of my time with you thinking I was second best, but actually I'm great. That was enough, like, of a touch upon that idea that she now understands that she's not second best she's just in this situation um but i really don't like the fact that she comes back in and does that whole thing because i just think it was so unnecessary i get it from russell's writing standpoint that he gives her that closure he gives the audience that closure of her being like look this is the thing i'm doing i'm saying this because it needs to be said i'm done with it i'm getting over it yeah i get it but what i don't like about it is the fact that it makes the doctor feel so guilty about the fact that he's just been so oblivious to it and that's not very fair like me and rich were saying downstairs after the episode ended it would be like say you like you know obviously you guys know that me and rich are engaged we're getting married this next year it would be like if one of us suddenly left and we could never see the other one again like you know the doctors had to leave rose in a parallel universe and he doesn't think he's ever going to see her again that's devastating knowing she's still out there but he can never get to her it would be like rich losing me or me losing rich and someone coming up to you meeting you literally like days after this has happened and going hi i fancy you notice me and you're literally like bro i've just lost the love of my life and yeah okay it happens over a period of time it's like we don't know how many years martha is with the doctor what does he say we've been traveling for years or something and it's only been four days probably not years but it's been a while he mentions it he says we've been traveling for how long and it's only been four days etc etc but it's it would literally be like somebody thrusting themselves in your face and be like, huh, notice me, notice me, I love you, notice me. And you're literally like, I'm here trying to get over like the worst loss of my life. And you just don't even pay attention to it because why would you? You're in mourning, you're literally like, you've lost somebody you love so much and you care about. And then all of a sudden she stands in front of you and she goes, do you know what? It's really crap, the fact that you never fancied me and I hate that, so I'm leaving. It's like, bruh. Why? It's like yeah, that <laughs> co- that that conversation needed to be needed to be had, but it could have been had with her family or with Tish or mm-hmm. someone, just not the Doctor himself. Nah. Because all it does is make you like the Doctor didn't need to know that. At no point in over the course of the series was the Doctor in the wrong mm-hmm. for not reciprocating. Because you know we all know people like that. Again, we know people like Martha that may just fall in love with people instantly. But then there's also people that we we've known that get really dicky mm-hmm. when they drop hints or something like that and the other person doesn't reciprocate either because they're completely oblivious to them i mean how many times have you gone back and thought oh my god you were flirting with me yeah or oh there could have been a thing there oh yeah bollocks like <laughs> damn it or he was he knew and he was like no nah, i'm not interested mm-hmm. in this instance because he had no idea where the context of the mate vicky and sean was going 
He didn't know. So oblivious to he it. He simply didn't know. And you don't need to call him out on and it. And the, the fact that she berates him for it, mm-hmm. it's like, do you know what? Screw you. Yeah, that's so real crap. While... You know, again, I don't dislike Martha as a whole, but now I now we've had more of the analytical look at it. It's like, do you know what? Yeah, I can really see why people don't like you. Mm-hmm. I really get it. And while she chucks the doctor her phone and he's like, she's like, you'll see me again, mister. Yeah, that... A bit, bit of that window shopping. It's like, it, again, contextually, kind of like, okay, you've kind of... You've bounced. Flipped things around again, okay? And the doctor's like, yeah, sure. It's like... I know that it would have been interesting, a very interesting dynamic for the Doctor to resent a companion. I know it would never be full-on resentment, like, I, no. des- I despise you, etc. But it would have been really interesting for the Doctor's reaction to that to be like, well... Why? How is, how is that my fault? Mm-hmm. Because, again, the Doctor... Sorry, Martha is the one that calls the Doctor back to Earth. That's when, she, when he comes back in, in... When she comes back in Series 4. Mm. So it's like, okay... But imagine if the doctor got that call and he's just like, do you know what? Nah. I can't be bothered. Like it would, the earth would be completely bollocks if he didn't. Well, but yeah. Imagine if he sees Martha calling and he's like, nah, and just flips the phone shut. Like, screw you. I can't be dealing with you anymore. No, it's, it's very like, much. Okay. It is. It's so flip floppy, that whole thing, because she starts off really positive. She's just like, you know what? I'm great. You're great. Like, we had some great times together, but I can't leave my family. Like, I, I need to be with them. And then she leaves. Then she comes back and just basically does goes on this knobhead rant of, I love you, but you don't love me, so I'm leaving. And then all of a sudden she goes, oh, but you better come around when I call you. What? Who are you? Why are you? What are you doing? Stop talking. Why are you? Like, it's just, what? what is this flip-floppy nature of this conversation that you're having? Cut out that middle bit with Vicky and Sean and literally piece together the first conversation with the, I'll see you again, like, you better come if I call, and then have her have that conversation with, like you say, her family or Tish. And then they... Because when she goes back into the house, you see her mum through the window and she very clearly mouths the words, look, Martha's come back. And I don't know if you noticed that, but I very clearly saw her mum's mouth say, look, she's come back, almost as if it's a shock. You could then literally have a 30-second bit where you follow her into the house and she goes... I can't, I can't do it. I can't be with him. I love him. He doesn't love me. So I'm getting out and I need to be with you guys. That would have contextualized that. That would have given us closure. The doctor did not need to be made to feel like a dick because it is not his fault that his love of his life is stuck on a planet. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm intrigued about how much it's mentioned after the fact when she's back in the series, because I think she actually does end up dating Tom, doesn't she? No, 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 no. It's off camera. She, I'm pretty sure that her and... Does she end up dating Tom for a little she, bit? I think off. I'm pretty certain she mentions it. Oh, maybe I don't remember. I, but I swear she does, or something I along think those lines. Obviously, she ends up marrying Mickey. Um, yeah, but, but like that—that that is a thing, and it's like I'm intrigued to see how much that changes things going forwards. But while the this the speech was necessary, as as we've said, mm. it shouldn't have been with him. No. And I can see why it left a bad taste in people's mouths because it did for me as well. It was mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness, I forgot about like I knew the speech was coming. But then when you look at it again and you go, hang on a minute, mm, that wasn't the best idea, was it, Martha? No. Okie dokie. So it's an interesting thing, but that is Martha done in in her sort of companion her main companion time, because again she appears in another, what is it? four episodes of the show i don't know i can't remember 
two-parter in season four and then the two-parter at the end and then she does like two-thirds of a series of Torchwood. And to be honest, she's really good in Torchwood. Yeah. In, in series two of Torchwood, she's good in that. So fair enough. But I think the way that they, the way that her character was framed against the Doctor over the course of the series just was kind of, mm-hmm. yeah. It was, a, it was a different take for the character, fair enough, but... Her character could have been so much more than just the girl who fancies the Doctor. The Yeah. I mean, she in the grand scheme of things, yes, she was. She at was, least in the relationship obviously. to the Doctor, but yeah. It probably could have been done a bit different and the ending could have been changed up that a little yeah. bit. But as we edge ever closer to the two-hour mark, I hope you're all enjoyed this or you've listened <laughs> to this in two parts or something. It's been a long one because we've had to go through what it would be nearly... Two and a half hours of Doctor Who. Two and a half hours of Doctor Who. So we really appreciate your time. And I know that there are a bunch of questions again. The fact that the, 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 this episode's been up for so long, we got loads more responses and stuff like that. So apologies if we didn't get a chance to touch on any of your questions, either on Spotify or on Twitter, but we do appreciate your time mm-hmm. so very much. So next, we are looking at Voyage of the Damned, the Christmas special with Kylie Minogue in the Titanic in space. And the first time we get to meet Wilf. Oh, Wilf. I know. Oh, Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> so if you're listening on Spotify, the Q&A button is there, I believe. So you can click on that and then tap in an old message. We get most of our responses through there. Really appreciate that because it keeps more in one place, which mm-hmm. is really nice. So please send us in your stuff on that. If not, you can. if you're not listening on Spotify, for example, or you don't use Spotify for your podcasts, you can always tweet us at Castapod. Where though it's actually there's already a gif up of David Tennant smiling, you can reply to that tweet or just tweet us directly at Castapod but with your question. Or if you're on YouTube, have a have a little look in the comments. Maybe leave a comment about what you'd like us to talk about as we wrap up 2022's very long seven episode season of Escape of the <laughs> Oh dear. As we wrap things up with Voyage of the Damned. But if you've been here for the entire two hours. In one fell swoop, thank you very much. If you haven't and you've been listening in parts, thank you all the same. All of your support means the world to the both of us, as we've already outlined at the start of this podcast. Rich. We really do appreciate your time. Where can yes. they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PickupChangeToe. Amy, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Ames underscore Elizabeth. And you can find us, of course, on Twitter at Castapod. If you're not following or liking or whatever it is you can do on Spotify and stuff, please do. And you can even leave a rating, which I've mm-hmm. just remembered. And ours is like 4.8 out of 5, Real which good. is crazy. So thank you very much for that. And I, I looked on the um, Apple podcasts and our rating is pretty high as well. So Thanks. That is the kind of stuff that we really appreciate. And again, if you are listening to this because you found it via the old good old algorithm then let me know. Mm-hmm. Or if you found us because you listened to the OG series back on Who Culture, then please let us know as well. But again, we really appreciate your time and we'll see you next week. Hopefully. Next week, I can we're, say, we're, not hopefully. We're, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Because we literally have nothing booked this weekend for the first time in like forever. There's nothing this weekend coming mm-hmm. apart from the fact we're going to do, we're going to go shopping, we'll make a big fat roast dinner and we're going to make an episode of the podcast. Somebody tweet us on uh, Saturday the 17th remind us to record the podcast please that'd be great I don't think we'll forget <laughs> no. we'll, we'll write it on the whiteboard on the fridge <laughs> but thank you all for listening take care of yourselves and we'll see you next week bye bye, bye.